Welcome to the Syncast. My name is Dale Pickles. I'm the Managing Director of B-Squared and I am the host of the Syncast, the podcast for special educational needs. Every week on the podcast, we are talking about a different topic within the world of special educational needs and disability to improve our knowledge, to provide support to professionals working in schools and to empower parents. In this episode, we're discussing the benefits of video games and how to make them more accessible. My guest this week is Nomi Gallagher, a specialist occupational therapist from the charity Special Effect. And Nomi helps those with physical disabilities to access video games. The Sencart is created and produced by us here at B Squared. We help schools to show the small steps of progress pupils with SEND make. And we do this for a wide range of abilities and ages. And we also have content for schools in Scotland and Wales as well. But do you know about Autism Progress? Autism Progress is our framework for helping profile a pupil's autism and how it impacts them. It is based on certs and looks at communication, social interaction, emotional regulation and flexible thinking. Autism Progress also includes a wide range of strategies to help support the pupils. Visit the B-Squared website or click on the meeting links in the show notes to book a meeting with me to take you through our assessment software and how Autism Progress could help you. Or on the B-Squared website, you'll find under resources our webinars, where I did a webinar recently going through the benefits and the importance of profiling someone's autism and therefore supporting them better. Now, let's get on with the podcast. In this week's show, we're discussing the benefits of video games to mental health and how to make gaming more accessible. Joining me this week is Nomi Gallagher, a specialist occupational therapist from the charity Special Effect. Special Effect is a gaming charity that uses a range of technology to help physically disabled people to access video games. Nomi is part of the Lone Library team, visiting and assessing needs to work out the best equipment options to meet the gamer's needs and to get them gaming. Welcome to the show, Nomi. Hiya, lovely to be here. I love gaming. It's been a big part of my life since the early 80s, playing on the old BBC B Micro, which you probably don't remember, do you? Sorry, now. No, big age difference. Then the Commodore 64 and so on. It's always been escaped to another place. Online gaming didn't really arrive till the early 2000s, and it has taken the world by storm. For many, gaming is an escape. It's a great way to get away. But for those who cannot use controllers, they are often excluded. And that's what special effects is about isn't it yeah yeah it's it's all about people who were, may have a physical limitation that's affecting their ability to maybe use a standard controller but would just really love to be part of that escapism that gaming brings and just giving them the opportunity by looking at what they can do what their movements are what their abilities are and tailoring the equipment that we have to what those movements are rather than forcing them to use something that just isn't quite right for them. Yep. It's all about making it comfortable. Definitely. So what What the big, obviously I know you do gaming, I assume, working there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the people you work with, what are the benefits of gaming? What does it mean to them? So the benefits really, it's about being able to be part of something that 
maybe if they're playing online, no one knows if they have a disability or not, but they can play on a level playing field. They could maybe play with their family in a games night. They could beat their brother, which maybe they don't get a chance to do often. It's just being able to open doors that maybe normally would be closed to them. I think when lots of people think of online gaming, they're going to go straight to the Fortnite and those types of games and Grand Theft Auto and so on. But there's a real range of games. You can go from those games, more violent, more fast-paced, and at the other end, you could literally be playing Uno or Monopoly online with people around the world or around the country that you know and everything in between. Exactly, yeah, and... It's being able to use lots of different systems. So, for example, we have iGaze games, which enable you to play online, sometimes with people who can only use their eyes to access technology, and sometimes a switch or a joystick. And they're able to play online and play against their friends or family in the room, but also against people online. So having a chess match against someone halfway around the world. Definitely. I think for for people who have those physical disabilities, they can almost be kind of locked at home. They can only go out when someone's available to take them out. They're limited options. But while they're there, that online world allows them to escape and to interact with people in their own way, which I think is really, really powerful that they're not trapped at home physically. Yes, they are. But actually, the, those communities you can develop online are huge. And as you said, what I love about the online world is you create a character in a game or you're in a game where you just have your gamer tag above you and that's all the other people know about you. Exactly, yeah. It's all that someone can see necessarily. And then it's up to you whether you want to sort of interact with the people, say however much you're comfortable with. But you can just enjoy the world then. We've got um, a case study of, a lady we worked with, Helen, who absolutely adores playing RuneScape, but found that due to nerve pain, she was unable to use her hands for long periods of time. So she was having to step back from being part of a lot of the raids, a lot of the like bigger aspects of the game. And she was just limited to sort of support roles or sometimes even just collecting items and sort of wandering around the forest kind of a thing, which she thoroughly enjoyed. But it just means that uh, giving her access using, in that case, it was voice control, just opened up an extra level of play so she could go out with her friends, even maybe not physically in the world, but within the virtual world. She could go out with them again. They could do fun events and just be a bit more engaged. For those who have no idea what RuneScape is, RuneScape is a MMRPG. I think it is the Massive Multiplayer RPG. Is that correct? I think it's an MMORPG, but the MM. same idea applies, definitely. MMO, Massive Multiplayer Online role-playing right, game. Yeah. RPG is a big thing, but MMO is that Massive Multiplayer Online. And it is, imagine, medieval-esque Dungeons & Dragons type thing. There's swords, there's magic. Yep. So, there's all manner of animals. You can just go around, have fun. Yeah, it's just really lovely. It's a lovely sort of world to escape to. If you imagine, I think, was it like Animal Crossing? Take Animal Crossing, add knights, add shields, add fighting, add magic, add... It's that sort of thing. It is, And these worlds you are in are massive, aren't they? Oh, they're huge, definitely. 
and they are massive and you can literally just explore and find things and go to places and you play with either you end up just wandering on your own and you make friends as you go around or you might go in there with your friends but generally these games are about kind of making connections and just travel with someone for a day or two and things like that and there's these clans and guilds and all this sort of stuff goes on and that is just one massive multiplayer online game generally if you're more into the magic you can get the magic ones if you're more into fighting if you want more spacey there's generally there's huge range and you can find something that fits you and you will create a character in most of these games you could be whatever class or whatever race you want various things you could be an orc you could be this you could be that in various games and that is who you are in the game and that's it and you will chat. I think it used to be just you typing, but now I think a lot of them have voice chat as well as options. But if you just want to do typing, that's all you have to do. And all the people you're with, they just will see you typing and they see what you're doing in the game. And that is their judgment of you. And I love it. I love that simplicity that you're not looking at them going, oh, oh, it's a girl. Oh, I'm playing with a girl. Oh, dear which you see a lot of in gaming, a bit sexist and various other things, is all of that's gone. You just take what that person is saying and that's all you get to go on, which really levels the playing fields. Because they could be typing with their keyboard, they could be doing voice to text, and they could be doing various other controls to access that game. But they are your equal which is really nice. It's just that giant orc that's happily slaying all of the bad guys in front of you. Like that's all anyone cares about. And maybe if they miss something, then okay, you may have had a bad day with this all, but no one would judge either way necessarily. And that's what's lovely about it. Yeah. And whatever your interest, whether it is doing all the battles or if you prefer to do driving, there's racing ones, there's space shooting ones, Whatever it is, you can do that. But if you are just someone who just goes, actually, I have friends and we would just want to play cards. You can play cards. You can play Uno. I was a part of a community which did, I think it was called Gears and Beers Night, which was playing Gears of War. But they always ended the night playing Uno or poker. They always, it was actually, the games kind of brought them there. They didn't know each other, but as they got to know each other more, the kind of games disappeared and ended up chatting and playing stupid card games into the evening. <laughs> and that you can play Monopoly, you can do all those things. And you said beating your brother. Mm, that's a big one, definitely. The yeah, amount I'll... of competitive play between families. And of course you want to beat your brother. Of course you want to show them that you are the best at Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. And you get that chance. You get to be that equal. You might be able to win in a running race, or all those in the physical world. In this world, if you can use controller anyway, great, you're there. But if not, charities like Special Effect help level that playing field. So you mentioned playing games with your eyes, and you have iCraft, or is it mine, iMine, or whatever it is. What's it called? <laughs> so it's using iGaze for Minecraft. So we've shortened it together to be iMine. I get. I always get the wrong two bits of the wrong two words and get it's it together. It's so easy to do. It took me a while to get my head around it too. But yes, uh, iMine is 
a sort of software that you can download. It's all free. We've made it so that um, as long as you've got the Java edition of Minecraft and you've got that downloaded on your device and your device is happy to run it, um, it then gives you an overlay so that when you're using your iGaze system, it gives you an overlay of options so you can just look at sort of walk forward and or just walk forward, stop, fly, whichever you want to do. And of course, the important mine. And it will do that. And it means that you can control Minecraft with just your eyes. And if you have never played Minecraft, Minecraft is like having a Lego set where you're not limited by how much money you have to buy the pieces. And you start in a world and you can do insane things in that world. It's generally a very physics reliant with some basic bits and other stuff. But when my daughter's got it, I, I spent an evening playing with it and just going, I wonder if you can do this. <laughs> yeah. And when I did all that, I went, I, I went, no, no, I need to walk away from this because I could lose a couple of years in this. Easily so. Some people have made castles. They've made all sorts of amazing structures just from their creativity and just being able to access the game. And it's a really good learning environment because when you go to make like stairs, you realize you get them wrong first of all because you try and see it too high and your character can't walk. And there's a lot of trial and fail and -hmm. then come back and do it again. So there's lots of learning goes in as you try and do things. And it's a really good way that, yeah, if you you are that limited that you are using eye gaze, it's a really constructive and free thing to do. Because it's not a... Minecraft, there are no levels. Well, I don't know if you get into the survival bit. I've never really done that. But the creative mode, there's no levels. It is you start and you just build. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And so your imagination and what you want to build is the limit. And you said people build castles, they build cities, they will build stuff from films in there. We're using these blocks. And you can download stuff other people have created. And you can also be in a world with other people that you're all building together. It is a really, really cool tool. And my children and me, we get a lot of pleasure out of our gaming. And I think it's important as many people access it as possible. Mm, Yeah, definitely. It's one of those lovely ones where, as you said, you kind of can fearlessly fail at the game. Like you can just sort of, oh, that didn't quite work out. I wonder if I can do it this way. And it's a great way of problem solving and trying to figure things out without having to worry about a dragon going to eat you in the next moment. It gives you that nice, slow-paced ability to just enjoy and just relax as well. It's It's generally, apart from if something is trying to chase you, a pretty relaxing game, but that's only in real survival mode. Yes, so in the normal creative, it is just you and maybe some pigs and some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Nothing eating you. That's nope. a whole other game. It is literally <laughs> a very blocky world you can go and explore. And I didn't realize it's called Minecraft, so probably obvious. You can dig down. I yes, just ran around the surface. all the way down. That, that was the problem that I found first time I ever played. I just ended up in lava. It did not go quite so well. I mean, you don't necessarily die, but you've then got to try and get out of the lava in creative mode. And I literally, I watched some augmented reality thing on Microsoft going, there's stuff under the ground? Well, it's called Minecraft, so probably yes. So <laughs> whole, whole playing years of it without ever, ever knowing you could go down. I just built on the surface or dug into the mountain. 
so we went, you mentioned eye gaze, and eye gaze is, I remember watching it for the first time and realizing the power of it. And, but you, you that's one thing, but you, you do a complete scale, don't you? Oh, yeah. As you yeah. said, just from those who cannot access it at a controller because it's not comfortable for them mm-hmm. all the way through. So, what sort of stuff have you done? We have so many options. It's great. We have like a whole barn full of options, which is lovely. And we're always working on sort of finding out the latest and greatest new tech to try out with people. But really, it's a matter of sometimes someone might just find that due to complications from a break in their arms at one point, they just physically can't hold the controller or press down buttons as easily. Or they've got a condition that just means that their muscles are a little bit weaker than most we can actually look at making the controller lighter by taking out the rumble packs and making the springs and the joysticks lighter, for example. So it might be as basic as that, not even sort of anything else, just a little bit lighter so it's less pressure to hold, less tiring for them if they're having a big gaming marathon kind of a thing. But then we can work all the way up to people who potentially the standard joysticks and buttons are just too small. So for example... Tiago, this uh, case study that I think you should have a link to as well. So Tiago isn't able to use the standard tiny buttons and joysticks. His movements are a little bit bigger. So we use larger joysticks and buttons using adapters and switch interfaces to get it working with his games. So he's got two large joysticks or sometimes a large joystick and a small one and a range of buttons that he can press. He knows exactly what they do. And they're all set up to work for each game that he wants to play. Nice. And what sort of games is he playing? At the moment, he, well, the last time he came to visit, it went to Goat Simulator, which I'd never actually seen. And it was rather terrifying. (laughs) But he does enjoy other games as well. Minecraft. He enjoys snowboarding games, things like that. But yes, Goat Simulator was an experience that I'm not going to forget anytime soon. It sounds like really weird. She did say goat simulator. Yeah, you basically play as a honestly slightly demonic goat, it feels. And you just terrorize the local neighborhood. Yes. <laughs> there is there is some really weird games. Someone done this game with something called Squirrels with Guns, which is just strange. Oh. And then there's the game called Stray, I where you stray. play as a stray cat, which I will buy when it gets a bit cheaper. But I've watched lots of clips where, where people's cats are watching them play and they're getting really into going, that really looks like a cat on the screen and want to go with them. <laughs> but again, they're the sort of games where it's not your typical level by level killing things or completing a level. It is, they're very different games. And I love the imagination people have of Goat Simulator. <laughs> yeah. You can even get a VR job, a VR game called Job Simulator where you can pretend to go to work. I really don't get the point of that one. You can literally pretend to be in an office and do typing. <laughs> some things are a bit far but generally and i know i know loads of people do flight sims yeah and you can either be the shooting around having dog fights or you can literally build up your gaming area to be just like a jet and fly across the atlantic with all your air traffic control it's whatever gets your interest going exactly and some of these simulators like flight simulator is so realistic we were practicing and we couldn't work out how to close the lid of the plane that we were in. So we were just sitting there like a bunch of us in the office thinking, is it this button? 
what about this one? Honestly, it took us five minutes. It was quite sad. We just cheated and looked online in the end. But Was that on DCS or was that on Microsoft? Microsoft. Microsoft. Yeah. That's it. Just, I love the world. DCS is, I can't, the digital combat or something. But you literally have to start the engines mm. as you would do as if you were getting into that jet in real life. Yeah, I haven't got that far. I, I so, actually messed up on that one pretty badly. So. There's a cheat button where you push that and it does it all for you. Ah, uh, that's what I needed. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is, there are those who love that, realize, that realism. And that's the thing is, certain maybe neurodiverse people love researching and knowing how things work. Mm-hmm. And you can do that and then you can get into a game and it is very, very realistic and just be exactly how you expect it to be and you can experience it as a real world pilot would. And my nephew who did Microsoft flights in for a number of years, then went to one of those places where you get to get in the simulator mm-hmm. and he landed the plane. Really? Oh, Cause it amazing. was just like doing it in Microsoft. It was the same. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's the sort of thing is some games, some people, and I'm going to say older people, maybe think of just games as silly pastimes, but they are amazing in so many ways. And, yeah, some are fast-paced, some are not. But it's what is interesting for you. And I think Sony have just is it Sony have just released some adapt, some... Their access controller. Access controller. So even people like Sony are going, there is a whole world of people out there mm-hmm. who want to play these games understand the benefit of these games and what i've liked over the last few years we've seen those games come into real life not real life into the real me- main media so we've had this last year we had the no this year gran turismo movie mm-hmm. we've had uncharted yeah we've had the last of us series and loads of others which have come from those games that they was somebody created a game it's really been loved by people properly loved and that has then become a movie whereas normally it's the other way around yeah so gaming is a for i think for my generation and after gaming is kind of part of life oh definitely yeah and although we're all adults or some of us are adults we're still playing games Mm, definitely yeah and if you are a teacher and you're thinking games it's just silliness it really isn't um it really is you can do so much and it really is helping people who cannot do things who cannot access things to access those things in some form exactly and sometimes it doesn't even need to be complete access of a game for someone to be able to get something out of it sometimes it's just being able to For example, some of the people we work with who have quad CP where none of their limbs are going to work as they want it to when they want it to. And maybe just adding in a head switch so that they can select jump in the game and play, we call it co-pilot, alongside someone else. So someone else can move the character around and they can press jump or even if they want to play one of those more complicated games like Call of Duty, they can just have the shoot button Someone else can move them around and they can just have at it and just shoot all the enemies, get all that enjoyment out of the game, even though it's just one button that they've got access to. It still can mean the world to them. So is is co-pilot, you're basically playing a one-player game, but you've kind of split the controller in two. Yeah, 
yeah the way that I kind of explain it to some of the parents is kind of like when you're learning to drive and someone's got you know the standard steering wheel access that you do in the driver's seat but then your instructor also has access to the pedals just in case you need to sort of make an emergency stop and you don't react quickly enough so it's just having that second person either to help with the controls or sometimes access most of the controls but still enabling a level of access and a level of inclusion i like that i like that that is nice do you do much with roblox roblox is a interesting one for us it very much depends on exactly sort of what in roblox someone wants to play it's one of those ones where hearing roblox makes us think okay Uh but what part of it (laughs) so for those who don't know roblox isn't just a game roblox roblox is a complete ecosystem it's like saying i've got a playstation or i play games that is like what Roblox is. So when my daughter going, we're playing Roblox. We go right. What are you playing? Exactly. Yeah. Because you can create loads of games, and they play prisoners and prison wardens. There's dressing up games. There's the natural disaster games. There's a building a boat and going down a river. It's just insane levels of games in there. And my daughter's been playing it. I don't know if it's five, six, seven years now. And sometimes they play the exact same game they used to play years ago or they're finding new games. But it is huge. Oh, definitely, yeah. And it is a bit of a challenge for us sometimes until we're able to chat to the person and figure out, okay, so this particular sort of boat-making game, for example, uses the A and the B button and you need one joystick. But you also play this game where we need maybe both joysticks so we always try to make sure that we give as much access as possible for all of the games that they want to play. But it's just figuring out exactly the right setup for them. Maybe old school people who might have played games years ago where there was just one joystick or one directional pad. The reason there are two joysticks, we generally have one for looking around. So you can literally spin around and look up and down because most games are now fully 360. And the other one often controls movement. Mm-hmm. So you can't just kind of walk forward and left and you kind of have to be able to look around wherever you're going up, down, left, right, around the corner. So most games these days require both sticks to be used. Yeah. Which is a whole other level of complexity for you. Oh, definitely. And then we add in that most games don't just need sort of one button at a time. Sometimes you need multiple inputs. I mean, think about sort of Street Fighter back in the day with, the amount of buttons you need to do for a combo but sometimes you need to kind of squish them together so you're doing them in another game maybe whilst holding another button down yep yeah it was yeah bbcc bbcc bbb just to get a certain move in to finish him or whatever it was as mortal Kombat finish him <laughs> but it is the actual it's it you remember years ago when it was sort of like sonic the hedgehog it was basically left, right, down, and jump. Yeah. That was it. That was the beauty of that game. That was as simple as it comes. And then we just had more buttons on. So three buttons became six. Mm-hmm. Six are now, on most, there's eight to ten. Yeah. 
probably a bit more than that, to be honest. <laughs> I, th- I definitely have gotten about 16 buttons for one person. So it's possible. I, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing, so when we talk about gaming, there is the consoles. Mm-hmm. So there's the PlayStation, there's the Xbox, there's the Switch and older stuff as well. But PC gaming, do you, what I like about PC gaming is there's a, a thing called a macro, mm-hmm. which is I think what you told me before you done for the voice. Yeah. So a macro is basically you can control a series of pro button pressures in an order with a timing sequence and things like that, can't you? Mm-hmm. Which means that rather than having to do really complicated things, you can simply it down to just a single button push and it will then perform a number of tasks. Yeah. And then you can even set that up for working with voice control. So you just say attack and it might do your sort of series of buttons with, you can even set the interval for however many seconds in between. Yeah. It does. I do need to say there is a caveat that some sort of online games don't like that. So I won't recommend that for everyone and for every game. Some do classes cheating. So be that, be mindful of that. I don't want anyone getting banned for just giving it a go. No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just should say that but apart from that yes. macros are great apart from that i was just thinking actually a lot of things which probably would really help disable people are probably banned because you like aim bots and things like that yeah aim bots are not necessarily yeah appreciated by companies gaming companies that much but there are other things that we can do and our aim is to try and get as much physical access as possible because whilst macros can be great You've got to rely on being able to press those buttons or set it up for exactly the game. Whereas if you have maybe a few more switches, if we can access them in a place that's comfortable and quick and easy for someone to access, then it gives them reliable methods to press that button. Whereas there might be a bit of a lag sometimes. Oh, nice. So you've given me a couple of kind of case studies. So you mentioned Tiago. Mm-hmm. And we've mentioned the eye gaze, which I I just think that's phenomenal because, yeah, I literally think of eye gaze as, oh, we can do basic things, but turning it into actual full-on game access is phenomenal. And you've got the voice control, which was the RuneScape game. Mm-hmm. Are they kind of your your case studies because they're your typical things you'll do or is there no typical? They're my case studies that I thought might be interesting because they're a bit more out of the box than what we necessarily normally do, actually. Sort of the typical games that a lot of people want to play are things like FIFA or the newer versions as they're coming out now. But football games in general are a really big one because if you can't get out and kick a football around with your friends, you can still sit and play online with them. And that is great for pretty much all ages want to play that one. Then Call of Duty, naturally, because that seems to be a really popular one and sort of any first person shooter like that. But then, of course, you do have the times when we have younger kids who want to play that and we're like, maybe we'll try look at something else to build your skills up until you get to that age, please. Yeah. So even like Fortnite is a slightly more child friendly version of that, really. Um, but some of these games, that's the thing, it's amazing because Fortnite is extremely fast paced. Mm hmm. And there's a lot of, I I, I, my, I, tr- I tried watching my daughter play and I'm going, sorry, I'm shooting and building at the same time. Yep. I can't process that. I'm too old already <laughs> for this thing. But it is, that's the thing. I, I, in my head, I'm already going, they can't do these fast paced games. So I'm, I'm already in my head 
thinking, because FIFA is really fast. You're reacting to whatever the other player is doing. And the same with Fortnite. So they're really fast-paced. That's really amazing that that people are able to access this with their disabilities. Oh, yeah. And um, I think the most impressive access I've ever worked with was a young man who has had muscular dystrophy. And so we managed to get a few physical switches. And working with him sort of on the day, we were really struggling to think of any more um, places we could get access because we knew there might be a potential for being on a ventilator at some point. Also, voice might not be an option. So we were really trying to think of long-term solutions as well. And then he said, well, what about my feet? And we managed to get two four controllers by his feet that he used one foot for one one side one foot for another and some extra switches with his hands and have you ever heard of the game cuphead no cuphead is possibly the most challenging game i've ever played and i've played quite a few at work by this point in time honestly i never even got past a demonic carrot (laughs) (laughs) and those who have played the game will know exactly what i mean and those who won't it's basically how do I even describe it? Imagine sort of the Disney era cartoon kind of world, but you're playing as, I guess, anthropomorphized cup called Cuphead, naturally, who's made a deal with the devil, because why not? And you're basically just fighting a bunch of sort of bad guys, I guess, along the way. I don't want to spoil too much about the plot either, so I'm trying to keep it super vague. But it is super challenging. Most, even like Sonic, you try to beat the end of the boss and it's normally after a couple of jumps it will die. But I've yeah. definitely been at some of those bosses for about five, ten minutes and still failed miserably. Okay. I might even look, I'm going to go look up Cuphead Definitely recommend, this. yeah. But he was also playing things like Fortnite and all sorts without a problem. It, it was amazing to it so well that's thing i think for a lot of people a lot of children they probably either got into gaming during lockdown or got into gaming more during lockdown Mm -hmm. because when we couldn't leave our houses we could still meet up with all our friends on those games and my daughters i got one daughter who plays the fast-paced i think she plays paladins and valorant and Fortnite. Mm -hmm. so she's the the battles, 15 minutes, all that sort of stuff. And my other daughter plays Genshin Impact, mm-hmm. which is, that is an RPG, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is, is it an MMO? Um, I've no idea. She plays it on her own. She's not. I don't think it is, but I can't remember off the top of my head. It's an anime style role-playing game where she explores worlds, completes challenges, levels up, gets weapons. And she will just spend her time doing that. Very different games. It both, what's fine, even though I, I find the Fortnite relaxing my daughter kind of strange because it is so fast paced. <laughs> but it is kind of what she expects and it kind of does help her relax. But she plays that with her friends, her friends from school, her friends from wherever. And it helps them relax. Now, what I will say is exercise in the outside world is really, really important, but not everyone has that luxury. Mm. And also, especially when they're different ages, to be able to go out, you might have to want to take them out yourself. And if you don't have time, 
and things like that or limitations it is a great way of gaming of still keeping that social side giving them those opportunities to see their friends be part of that friends i think as you said fifa is a really big thing mm. or is it's now what it's called now the football game or something because I don't have that license anymore. But we, all the kids, they always talk about football in the playground, their team, what Ronaldo's up to, what Messi's up to, what Neymar's All of the players, they all know, and you have the cards. And to not be in FIFA with everyone else is really socially excluding them. You miss out on that complete world of the game and all that excitement. And when you're at school, they're talking about the game. They're talking about what they're doing it. So you literally, if you can't play the game, not only are you missing out, but you can't be in that conversation at school. So I think anything where you can really look at what's going on in the world around them and make allow people to join in in their way is really, really powerful. Oh, definitely. And a lot of games companies have actually tried to make settings that do help with accessibility as well. So, for example, FIFA, whilst it's super fast-paced, they do have options where you can do um, alternative controls, but they also have um, two and one button mode as well. So you could just play with a joystick and a button and still be able to enjoy the entire game and play online. 10 out of 10 EA. I know, right? Because <laughs> I, like, I know for years you've often have colorblind modes in games mm-hmm. and things like that. So And various visual things they can do. And you can do, if you're doing the fighting games, you can do less blood. Mm-hmm. And things like that. And I found it in the Hogwarts Legacy game, which is the Harry Potter, you can turn on, I found that out for my colleague John, arachnophobia mode. <laughs> <laughs> and it removes all the spiders. Turns out quite a lot of games actually have that. It turns out quite a lot of people are scared of spiders and don't really appreciate them in the game. <laughs> Pity it doesn't work for what I'm scared of. But <laughs> Okay, so what's that? <laughs> Butterflies, unfortunately. Okay, now, now that's strange because I hate moths. <laughs> it's it's totally normal. <laughs> I'm fine with butterflies. They're out during the daytime. It's a moth in the bed. I, I blame my that on Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, that'll do it. See, moths I'm okay with. They don't lie about being cute. Butterflies totally do. <laughs> so I won't tell you about Butterfly Simulator then. Yeah, we'll, we'll avoid that one. <laughs> But one thing I know is also is you're talking about playing against beating your brother Mm. is if you have siblings who play together and then they, or they spend a lot of time together and one of them maybe moves out or goes to university. What I love about online gaming is you're right back with it, with them again. Mm. They could be halfway across the country, but playing that game with them, they wouldn't know. Exactly. I actually worked with a gentleman who had gone off to uni. Everything was going well, still played FIFA with his brother, still played online Call of Duty and other games with his brother, just to keep in touch. And then he had a spinal cord injury whilst at uni. And we were able to work with him to give him access to games still. So we could still play with his brother and continue uni. That's great. I know my nephew... When the, when the parents split up, he still played Roblox with his dad. Mm. And it is that those connections are really, really important. You see them sometimes in TV adverts. They're trying to use this now as, oh, stay connected because the internet, your internet connection from EE brings you together type of thing. And it is a little bit cheesy when they do it in the advert. 
but it really does work when you play these games together and you are doing these things together. It is a real connection that you are together. I remember there's a there's a game on the PlayStation, which is probably really old now, actually, called Journey. Yes, Journey. That's a great game. So I've told you tell everyone about Journey. I keep explaining games. <laughs> so Journey is honestly beautiful, just in and of itself beautiful. And it's a lovely game where you can play on, on your own, but you can also have the option to play online. But it's not like most other games where you have someone online playing who you can always see and always interact with and they'll do tasks with you. They're sort of like a shadow that are there sometimes. It might not even be the same person. And you're just sort of exploring and going through this journey with potentially multiple people as they're sort of interacting with your world and crossing in between. I think that's the best way I can describe it. It it is. It's a journey. (laughs) And it's exactly, I've never played it, but I I think I've bought it, but I never got around to playing it. But I, I just heard people talking about it as exactly that is you are going on a journey at your pace Mm -hmm. and you're meeting others going on the journey at their pace. And that's it. And that's what I like about it is sometimes you'll be walking with that person for a day and then you'll never see them again. But other times you might walk, I've seen people who play the journey a number of times because every time they do it, it, the people they meet makes the journey different. Mm. And I know loads of people who they play games like that and one of them sends the other person a friend's request (laughs) because they've enjoyed the eight hours or however long they've played together together. And then they start playing other games together. Oh, lovely. And I've seen loads of stories where people are the best man at their best friend's wedding, yet they've never met each other in real life. Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) And for some people, they're going, oh, my God, that is ridiculous. But that's the thing is, if we think of your typical ways of meeting people and doing and living your life, then it is a little bit odd. But actually, in the modern world, you communicate with your friends much more most of the time, unless you are lucky and going to school and seeing your friends every day. You communicate with your friends digitally most of the time. You meet up sometimes. A lot of the time it's digital. You're messaging, you're on a phone call, things like that. You may meet up with your friend because you don't work together every couple of weeks when you go out for a meal. But we live our lives digitally already. So what's wrong with meeting someone digitally? Because you had shared values, shared connections, you liked the same things and you became friends. It's just as valid to me. Not more so because you're going out of your way to make the effort to message, to converse, rather than just have have it be someone you're sort of in the same building as. So you just have to talk to them. You're, yes. There's a lot more intention sort of behind it, which I don't know, feels like it makes the relationship even more important to you and you're valuing it a little bit more. Yes, without a doubt. I, I used to be into car audio many years ago and I used to be a part of a big forum and we used to meet up and we we're all over the UK. And we used to meet up a couple of times a year in Oxford, somewhere centralist. And we just used to meet up and there's always people you know. You literally walk into a field and you go, I've no idea who any of these people are. Yet a load of them I've known for years. Mm-hmm. And they've got, they've got their username or the gamer tag type thing and their real name. <laughs> 
and you just interchangeably use them both. But you actually then realize, and I've been friends with some of these now for, Jesus, 20 years. And we're watching them grow. So loads of us have our kids. Our kids are driving. <laughs> we all we literally find out a load of them have a similar house to you and having the same issues. And <laughs> we're all over the country. And every so often we'll bump into one of them. See, I went to the zoo and I bumped, I literally looked at this bloke and went, I know him. <laughs> and we used to be 15 years ago, we would drive around in the cars, listen to music. And now we're both at the zoo with our kids. But the connection was there not because we lived near each other or grew up in the same school or anything, but because we liked each other, we had the same ideals, we had the same understandings, we had the same values, and we connected. And that's there forever. And I think it's the same with gaming. I think not having access to those games, you're losing all of that connection you could have. Definitely so, yeah. Excellent. Right. I'm going to kind of wrap it up because you've gone through lots of things. Mm-hmm. One thing I just want to end on, which I mentioned before we started recording to you, is one of the links. I've got loads of links for you I'm going to share. One about Tiago, one about Becky uses iMind, and Helen, who uses that voice control in RuneScape. But there's a player, and I read this story, and I didn't realize how old it was. It was nine years ago. Somebody called Matt Steen, whose gaming name in World of Warcraft is Ibelin. No idea how you pronounce that. But he was generally, I think he was in a wheelchair. He was at home. And at some point he came across the World of Warcraft game and he played that. Now, into his parents' eyes, he was just sitting in his room, wasting his time. He was getting up late, going to bed late, doing all the wrong things and all this. And in his parents' eyes, he was just kind of wasting his life. He didn't have, I think, from their point of view, he didn't have a great quality of life because he just never really left the house. I think it was a life-limiting condition. And But he used to play in this game, and his parents had no idea. And I think at some point he had a time where he wasn't on in the game for about 10 days, and people sent him loads of messages going, where are you? And when he came back, he opened up to one of the other players and explained that he's disabled, he's got a life-limiting condition and all of this stuff. And if I disappear again, it might be because I've died. And here's who I am. Here's my real-world details. Here's how you can know if I've died or my dad will post here or something. But they never told anyone else. It kept it just between those two who knew who he really was. And then sadly, a couple of months later, he disappeared again offline. And the parents posted where they said they'd post for him and all these flowers started arriving at their house and they had no idea and he'd put online when the funeral was and at the funeral there was a group of people who the parents had no idea who they were and i think after the funeral they walked up to them and said who are you and they explained that they've known they've known his their son for years and they played this game for years it was a professor from london from the uk this was in Norway, someone from the Netherlands, someone from, they all traveled and explained to the parents that actually there's a load of people who he was friends with in this online world, in World of Warcraft, which is another MMORPG, that he has spent, I think it's like fifteen to 20,000 hours playing. Wow. It was insane amounts. But in that game, he was the same as everyone. 
Mm. No one knew, apart from this one person, no one knew he was disabled. No one knew what his life was. And where the dad thought, oh, he stays just staying in bed, is I think a lot of them were in America. Mm. And certain things happen at certain times, and you do have to maybe shift your life skill if you want to fit in with those people. Mm -hmm. So why he was getting up late is so he was on the same time as others. So what his parents took for him having a lonely life, never leaving his house and just wasting his life, he was actually living an amazing life in a um, virtual world. So I've shared in the uh, show notes, you'll see there's a BBC News article all about this. And I think I've read they're making it into a, or it's been made into a movie, not sure what type but it's a really beautiful story and really helps you see the power that games really do bring to people, especially that online gaming, that connection where you can really be who you want to be in a nice way. I'm not going to go into the dark side of that sentence. We'll leave the dark side. <laughs> leave the dark side. We'll, we'll just stay on, stay on the hopeful side, mm-hmm. the happy side. So, Loads of stuff in the show notes, loads of stuff showing what special effects do and how you can get hold of them and read even more. All of those in the show notes and their contact details. And as always, you'll find the show notes on the website or wherever you listen to the podcast. So thank you for listening to it. If you aren't following us on social media, you can follow us on all of them. So on Twitter or X or whatever it's going to be next week at The Sendcast, on Facebook, The Sendcast, and Instagram, The Sendcast. And if you do have a gaming story, share it with us let other people know the impact gaming can have on others. The Sendcast is created and produced by us here at B Squared. We help to show the small steps of progress pupils with SCND make. We have a wide range of frameworks to suit different abilities and ages, but do you know about autism progress? This is our framework to help profile a pupil's autism and how it impacts them. It's based on certs and looks at communication, social interaction, emotional regulation, and flexibility of thought. And Autism Progress also includes a wide range of strategies to help support those pupils. Visit the B-Squared website or click on the meeting link in the show notes to book a meeting with me to take you through our assessment software. So, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Sendcast. It is goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Bye.